Welcome to episode 204 of Live Happy Now. I'm your host, Paula Phelps, thanking you for joining us again this week. Now, if you've wondered what's up with the state of happiness these days, you're in luck. Today, I'm talking with Live Happy editor Chris Libby about the annual World Happiness Report. Each year, the United Nations Sustainable Development Solutions Network releases a comprehensive World Happiness Report to look at happiness from a global perspective. The news isn't exactly great for the U.S. this year, so Chris and I sat down to talk about what's causing us to be less happy than we should be and what we can do about it. Well, Chris, it's always fun to sit down and talk with you for a podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. Well, there was uh, you're such a great person to talk to this because today we are talking about the World Happiness Report, which yes. is something you and I have been reading uh, every year for a few years now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it just came out, had a lot of great things to say, but it also had uh, some not so great things to say about the United States and our state of happiness right now. Yeah, it's according to this happiness report, we are not so happy. <laughs> Mm-mm. We have slipped from 18th to 19th in the world, and it's been a steady decline since about 2010. Yeah, we've never cracked the top 10 since they began doing this report, which no. was, was that 2012, I think, that they started yeah. publishing? And typically, it's those Nordic countries that are always going to be in those top 10 areas like Finland, Denmark, uh, Switzerland, Sweden. Uh, they usually kind of, they usually crowd up the top 10 right there. Yeah, they push us out of the lane there. <laughs> <laughs> but but why is it? You mentioned we have been declining since 2010. What's up with that? Well, it's, it is kind of mind boggling since those Nordic countries, they have lower GDP, they have higher taxes, they have... Uh, uh, it's a lot different from the United States, but they're a lot happier. Um, we have an improved economy. Our crime is low. We have low unemployment right now, but Americans are still just not as happy as we were. And there's quite a lot of different reasons for that. You know, one of them being uh, we're becoming less con- uh, connected with each other. And that's funny. You and I have talked about this because we have this illusion that because of the internet, because of social media, we are more connected. I mean, I can I can hook up with any of my friends from high school who still live in Nebraska at any time, thanks to Facebook. Mm-hmm. But and so we think of that as connection. So where's that? Pardon the pun. Disconnect. Well, it's artificial connection, really. What we really need is that face to face connection, and that's what we're losing. Humans are just social beings in general, and we need to be with each other. We need to have those relationships, and they need to be in person. And then when you replace that with isolation, you're essentially isolated when you are alone and with your phone, you're not with anybody. <laughs> so it is kind of an illusion. Right. And we've talked about this. There are some interesting studies that show among older people who might be homebound that mm-hmm. using social media and, and digital means of communication actually does improve their well-being because otherwise they'd be completely isolated. Sure. But other than that, unless you are a shut-in or you're on house arrest, I guess, then really it's not it's not contributing to your, your mental health to be connecting all. with people that way. In fact, it has the opposite effect, especially in young people. You know, teens and adolescents, they're becoming increasingly depressed and have more anxiety and becoming more lonely. And they are the ones who are using social media the most. How do parents or other adults in our lives then start mitigating that time? Because there's, as we know, you can't go to a teenager and say, hand over the phone, you're not using it anymore. Yeah. It's, well, and that's, that's not ideal because th- that won't work. But you can, um, there are ways that you can 
kind of change up routines. Uh, this, there are studies, a recent study that uh, we just talked to at UPenn that came out. Um, the psychologist at UPenn, they said there is a, a causal link, causation to depression, anxiety, and increase in social media through their experiments they found. Um, why is that? Because why, why is it that it's having that kind of an effect on, on children, on teenagers? Well, you're doing an upward social comparison, which means you think when you see something on Facebook or on Instagram and you're, you're only seeing a curated view, you think that everything is rosy over there with your friends and family and your life just does not compare. And so that brings that increases the depressive levels. Also, you have a fear of missing out when you look at images like that, like you weren't invited. And so that can hurt your self-esteem. And bullying has become a lot easier online where, you know, we see the news stories almost every day mm -hmm. about how that's infiltrating teenagers' lives. Yes, that is true. That is true. Bullying. And, and, and it's just the, the immediate. And one of the reasons for that is the immediacy of social media. Whereas in the rumor mill a few decades ago would take a while, but now it's instant. So, yeah, but there are things you can do. You can limit the social media. They experts say to roughly about an hour a day, if that's attainable, you know, you can encourage your children and even ourselves to, to go out instead of reaching out through social media, through your phone, go out and meet in person. And as parents, that has to be done by example. You know, mm -hmm. you can't say, hey, let's go out and take a hike. And then you're sitting over on a rock answering work emails. You know, that's not going to work. Mm -hmm. And so honestly, being able to implement this for our kids is going to help us as adults. Yeah. And it's astonishing because this study that was at UPenn and it was uh, the study was on college students in using social media. One of the things that they would always say to the researchers was I didn't realize how much I was on uh, social media. So I think maybe being mindful and bringing out that awareness is we, we don't always realize how much time we're spending doing that. And that's taking away from the real time that we need to connect with each other. Now, did the report give any indication that there's hope for our teenagers? Because we're talking a huge population mm -hmm. and it's heart wrenching to see just the depths of their despair. I mean, we know that teen years are difficult anyway. It's very emotional. Depression is is a tough thing, especially for teenagers, but it is getting so much worse with this generation. Mm -hmm. Did the report give any kind of indication that, that this can get turned around or that steps are being taken to turn it around? Actually, it didn't. Just future research, you know, more attention needs to be focused on it. But yeah, it's how we spend our leisure time. And it's not just the connection, but it's the activity level too. Because like, what do you mean by that? Like lack of activity, like oh. physical activity. I'm sorry, I should have been more clear. But yeah, it's the lack of, of activity because along with one of the other reasons why we're unhappy in the United States, along with the loneliness is also health problems like obesity, which is still a problem. Yeah, and we are just not getting outside enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so much great information about just the value of taking a walk and especially taking a walk in nature because that can change your mood. It's a great cure for depression. I don't want to say a cure for depression, but it helps mm -hmm. relieve depression and anxiety. You know, there's so much research that shows the benefits of, of biophilia or being out in nature. And if you're being active in nature, that's even better. Sure. And when you are isolated with your social media, you are spending doing less things like not going to church as much, not interacting with people, not reading, you know, um, just the mindful 
practice of just reading or even sleeping. It's affecting your sleep too. And when you're not sleeping well, if you're getting less than seven hours, then that's not good for your health at all. Yeah, it shows that there's uh, there's so much research about how sleep is essential to well-being. And it's it's physical well-being and it's your mental health that it, you get wrecked pretty quickly after losing just, you know, an hour of sleep a night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're sleep deprived. We're staring at our screens. We're not <laughs> exercising. And I think I'm seeing a little bit of why we might be slipping in the happiness category. I think, yeah, uh, I think it should serve as a wake up call here because even though you think you may be doing well financially and you have a job, which is nice because not having a job does not make you happy. There's equality gaps. There are all kinds of gaps right now, uh, financial gaps. Uh, so, and that just uh, pulls people apart instead of brings them together. As we become aware, like anything else, awareness is the first step, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing the World Happiness Report does so well every year is that it really shines a light on where we're at, both nationally and globally, and lets us kind of see where we're falling short and what can be done. Then, of course, the trick is getting who's going to make those changes. I know Jeff Sachs talks about needing public policy to really step in to help improve our subjective well-being. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think many of us believe that's probably not top of the agenda from a government standpoint. Probably not. But I mean, that's why Finland wins again. Um, I, I, <laughs> so is it is, is like our answer that we all move to like Finland or, well, I talk, or Denmark? Yeah, I talked to Ann Henderson, who is an analyst with the Happiness Research Institute based in Denmark. And she says just the Nordic countries, they generally know how to convert their wealth into well-being which means they're using the money that they get to do things to make sure people are happier, to make sure people can get outside, more parks, you know, just more programs that that speak to your well-being. Health is taken care of. And that's security is huge. Mm-hmm. Knowing that you're not going to be left out in the cold, you're not going to be homeless. Mm-hmm. You, your elderly have a place no matter what. Yes. I think that's one thing they do so well is they take care of their elderly. They do. Uh, and that's a huge concern here. I, I talk to people all the time who are getting older and are, are frankly concerned about it mm-hmm. because they don't know, you know, the, the income disparity, our cost of living is going up. What they thought was enough to sustain them looks now like it might not be. And if they can't take care of themselves, who is going to care for them? Yeah. yeah. So I think that's something else that we have to really look at is how we're we're caring for one another and what we can do better with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that social support is so huge. And that's why, like I said before, all those uh, Nordic countries are in the top 10. They have a lot of social support within their com- their countries. And it's interesting to note that world happiness has slipped a little, not just the United States, because the bigger countries like United States, India, for for example, they're having a greater disparity in wealth, and that is dragging the, the overall world happiness down a little bit. And what's causing that disparity? We see what's happening in the U.S., mm-hmm. but what is causing that disparity on a global level? Just a division between the rich and the poor. Well, why are we seeing that? Because it is here, the middle class appears to be disappearing. Yeah. That's, that's the big concern. We talk about that quite a bit, uh, hear it on the news. And is that happening everywhere? Well, it's the larger, wealthier countries that are doing that, and that's and the the wealthier these countries get, the further they slip on the on the, on the happiness scale. 
And that's so interesting because, again, you think if you have the money, you have security mm-hmm. and you would think that security would lead to happiness. But we're seeing yeah. time, time again, it's not. It's not. We're just not as generous, I guess. <laughs> well, one more thing that was in here that I found really interesting, something, again, in the news quite a bit, and that's addiction. Mm-hmm. And that's a big reason that we're not happy. But this chapter, it's not just opioids. We're not talking about medical and pharmaceutical addiction. You know, Jeff Sachs is also talking about video games, online shopping, social media, mm-hmm. things like this. So did you get any sense of why we have a greater addiction? Is it because it's easy now or? I mean, that's a good, that's a good assumption. Um, I just think we're trying to medicate in all ways possible and make ourselves feel good with, with these materialistic things that have time and time, you know, research shows that that's just not a way to happiness, being self-aware, being mindful, being kind to others. These are the things that are going to make you happier. And, and these other things like these addictions, they can't replace that. And it is difficult. We'll give, I'll acknowledge, we talk all the time in our house about we need to meditate. We need to be more regular about meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to let those little habits and those practices just get pushed aside a bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you let it go one day and then it's a slippery slope. And at the same time, we have all these other things begging for attention, like online shopping, social media, video games, things like that. Mm-hmm. So what, like for yourself, what's kind of the, the way that you maintain your balance and make sure that you're able to keep your practices going? Well, aside from listening to the Live Happy podcast. There we go. I love that. That's it. That's all you need to do, folks. Yeah. Just listen to this once a week. You're good. It's like a booster shot. There you go. Um, I would say just being aware, you know, that, that right there is uh, half the battle. I think when you're aware of these things going on, then you're more likely to pay attention to what you're doing and how much you're doing it. So, uh, awareness I think is key. Absolutely. We got to wrap this up here in a minute. And as we look at the world happiness report, and I think we're going to include a link to that on the webpage. Is that correct? Sure. Yes, we will do that. Yeah. And, And so as you look at it, Was there anything that you found particularly encouraging? Because we've kind of been a big downer um, as we've talked about happiness. But what things did you find encouraging about this report? Uh, I did. It's just the further reiteration that connection is key. And that's what the whole theme about this uh, report this year was about connection and community. And that's how you're really going to just being with one another, you know, that togetherness, making sure everybody's okay, because we're all in it together, whether we like it or not. That's, that's <laughs> just the truth of it. So that's what I, I, I thought focusing on that, that how social support is just so key to, to having a great community and to just having a, a global community. And the great thing about that is that's attainable. It's not like we're saying you have to t- climb to the top of some mountain and meditate for six years and then you're going to feel better. It's pretty easy to start reaching out. Sure. You know, it takes momentum. You, you've got to take initiative, mm-hmm. but it is. It's easy. You can start with just one person of reaching out and let's meet for coffee instead of texting. But, you know, and I think, too, once you start doing that, you start craving it and need that social interaction more and thereby need your online interaction less. Yeah. And it's not just for the people that you know, also for the people you don't know. That can go a long way. Just a small act of kindness, just a small gesture. If we just be nice, be nicer to each other. <laughs> be, yeah, there like we Bill go. Bill and Ted said, be <laughs> excellent to each other. 
we should all be more like Bill and Ted, I think. Oh, definitely. I, I think we should be more excellent. <laughs> well, Chris, speaking of excellent, this was an excellent interview with you. Great report this year. I mean, not great in the sense of the news it brings, but it's very enlightening, very eye-opening to see what's going on and to see that, that we can do better. Sure. And there's always next year. <laughs> Says the Cubs fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, it was so wonderful talking with you and uh, we'll do this again very, very soon. Great. Have a good day. You too, Chris. That was Live Happy editor Chris Libby talking with me about this year's World Happiness Report. When you visit our site at livehappynow.com, we'll give you a link to download your own copy of the report, as well as some other resources about happiness in today's changing world. We hope you're already a subscriber to Live Happy Now, but if you're not, you can find us on Pandora Podcast Network, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on iTunes and Google Play. Just look for us on your favorite platform and then hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. That is all we have time for this week, but we will meet you back here again next week with an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.